0: Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we are going to hear from Pat Newfeld of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the offensive lineman who has signed a one-year contract extension to come back to try to get a three-peat with the Blue Bombers. Also, we'll head to Edmonton to talk to Daniel nugent Bowman, who covers the Oilers for the Athletic. What the heck's happening to that team? They were so good. Now they're really bad. So where are they actually? Are they somewhere in between? What's going wrong? We'll find out on the podcast. Pat Newfeld, for the first time in his career, was named a CFL All-Star in 2021, made starts at right guard and right tackle, appeared in 13 games, also the West Final and the Grey Cup, helping the Bombers lead the CFL in scoring, finished second in rushing, surrendering the fewest sacks. Yeah, he's really good. And he's back for more as Pat Neufeld the 33-year-old from Regina signed a one-year extension today. Running it back for another go-round, trying to get a third straight Great Cup title. Had a conference call today with members of the Winnipeg media and said he never thought about leaving.
1: For me, it was it was never thinking of free agency. I, knew, uh, I know where I want to be, and it's with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, I want to obviously spend the rest of my career here however long that's going to be. And uh, for me, it was a no brainer. I just wanted to, uh, to get a deal done and, and make sure I can get back with the club that, uh, you know, I, I really care about and, and uh, I have a ton of fun being a part of.
0: We've heard from Jackson Jeffco yesterday, Willie Jefferson on Friday, Jamarcus Hardrick on Friday, Jake Thomas, Nick Hallett last week, very similar sentiments to what we just heard there from Newfeld.
1: That's what makes our locker room so special. Um, it's, you know, a massive credit to, to Coach O'Shea and his coaching staff for allowing allowing us as, as people to build the locker room the way that it is and, and for us to be ourselves and um, for him to trust us to, to be able to kinda of do the things that we do within our locker room and, and what we do in the field. So uh, guys just wanna come back and be a part of the thing that they're so comfortable having built. So um, yeah, I think it's just really cool that, you know, a massive group of guys that are from all different places wanna come back together and uh, you know, try and battle it out for another great cup championship. So that's
0: Newfeld and Hardrick that have signed still waiting on Stanley Bryant, Michael Couture, a number of other members of the offensive line group and Newfeld says it's really important if, well, as many people come back as possible.
1: I think it is important. I think that was a, you know, a big part of our success is that we had continuity on, on our offensive line and we came in, and we're able to play, you know, mid-season football pretty early and pretty seamlessly. So, um, you know, our group, you know, not just uh, those five guys, but our, our entire offensive line unit is, is in constant communication. And we're always seeing guys. Obviously, you want you want the guys to do what's best for them financially and, and for, for where they're at in their life. But, um, you know, I think everyone wants to come back. And it's, it's just a matter of them negotiating, getting deals done that are, are right for them. So I, I'm extremely hopeful. And I think it's a big part of our success.
0: Now, many of them are likely to come back. Drew Desjarlais, though, probably won't at least to start because he's worked out with reportedly five NFL teams. So he'll probably get a look down south. But, hey, Newfeld's very happy for his fellow O-lineman.
1: That's awesome. You know, you you want to see guys be able to uh, to get a shot like that. And, and Drew is extremely deserving. I mean, that guy works his tail off, and he loves football more than anything. And he's also, a, you know, an athletic freak. He's he's insanely explosive and and fast and physical and he plays the game right way. And I think he's mentally wired the right way where he is constantly trying to get that, that veteran's edge. Like I'm talking about where you're, you're trying to recognize things as quick as a 10 year vet does. And Drew's doing that in his second year. So, um, you know, I talk to him quite often and and keep updated on his workouts. So he, he's got a lot of workouts, which is awesome for him. And, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully he gets a deal done um because he deserves it for sure.
0: Also pretty excited about DeAndre Allford getting a contract signed with his hometown Atlanta Falcons yesterday.
1: what a cool story for a guy playing in, in D2 to come up and be a rookie and kind of be under the radar and, and you know start right away and then end up being a West all-star CFL all-star and then getting to sign back with his hometown team so for for guys like that you're just extremely excited for and really happy for and and um, you know Kent can't wish anything but the best for him because he's he's earned everything that he's gotten so um i think that just speaks volumes to who he is as a, as a competitor and and as a teammate and um i think too just kind of the culture of our of our locker room now is being able to highlight and uplift guys like that so it's a it's a pretty cool thing
0: pat newfeld is coming off his first all-star nod, as i mentioned off the top of the segment 33 years old it's not young but he's still got a lot left in the tank right does he still
1: feel like he's at his best So you know aging like a fine wine. so um I I think the older you get and the more live football you've been around it's 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 kind of a wisdom thing and it's uh it's a recognition thing I mean I was I was really lucky in my very rookie year um to play with with Mikowski with the Rough Riders and I just was amazed at his his ability to kind of predict things that were going to happen before they happened. And I told myself, I want to get to that stage in my career where, you know, I am I'm, I'm not out there, you know, just guessing and just hoping something's happening. I'm, I'm kind of dictating or reacting really quickly to what's happening. So, um, I think I'm getting close. Obviously, um, there's a long ways to go to be at a guy like his level or, or Chris Walby's level or, um, someone to that caliber. But, um, playing a lot of football and playing for the same organization, I think helps you uh, get to to that stage.
0: He was also asked today how much longer he expects to play. And if he's thought at all about retirement.
1: I I, I honestly haven't. It's funny. I have a discussion with, with my girlfriend, Paul, all the time. And um, it's, it's so hard to say. I mean, so much of this game is, is physical, obviously. And it's, it's how your body's handling it. And how you're reacting to the, the trauma of a season I mean this this season we only played 14 regular season games I only played 13 of them and then the playoffs and I was still hurting at the end of the year um, but you know I think right now I'm just taking it one year at a time and I'm gonna give everything everything I have to this upcoming season and, and make sure i'm I'm doing the right things that I can I can play the season and we I can be the best player I can for the Bloom gold and, and hopefully we can get back to a championship but yeah yeah it's just I think at this stage of my career it's just uh, play by year and uh, see how it goes.
0: <laughs> a lot of veterans on the team these last few years. That's key to their success, bringing a lot of those guys back again.
1: Yeah, I think it did play into into how successful we were last year. You know, guys were able to come in with a lot of football experience under the belt. And I think most importantly is that experience was together. We We weren't guys coming from different places we are all all a a veteran group of guys that have played on the same team for a while now um have relationships with each other that go beyond the locker room um so there's that level of care and comfort with one another and 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 trust so um i think that was a big part of why we're successful and i think i think for any team you see teams that have that that comfort and that trust with with one another is what leads to success um and then obviously we wanted to perform well for each other so just because you've been around each other for a long time doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be good. So uh, we have the ability, we have the ability to, to really push each other and, and hold each other accountable and, and get the best football out of one another. So hopefully that can uh, go again next year. But that's, I mean, it's, it's something where you have to earn it every day and every, every game. So it's not just if we get the same group back, it's going to be the same result. We have to go out there and work for it and, and put, in the, put in the effort and, and go through the grind again to get to where we want to go.
0: Had Jake Thomas on the show last week, the longest tenured Blue Bomber. Pat Newfeld's up there. He got here in 2013 via a trade with the Rough Riders. And he was asked today about the difference between the club now compared to what it looked like back when he first got here.
1: It was a big one. Um, when I first got to Winnipeg, it was, it was obviously a team, an organization that was kind of in turmoil. Um, just a lot of changes happening and, um it was one of those places that was kind of a uh, it was a have not kind of club at that time unfortunately. um, I just remember coming into the locker room and seeing a, a massive group of guys that were kind of coming in and out on, on workouts and and practice roster was massive and I think the club was just trying to find find guys that they could kind of build around and um. You know, I was lucky that they saw a little bit of something in me, even though I, I wasn't playing at that time, and they, they trusted me. And um, I, I ended up coming back, and then there was myself and Jake and, and Jesse who were around at 14, and um, we just kind of started building from there. And then Osh had a, had a vision and a direction, same with Kyle, and, and they just stuck to it and it took some time. But um, I, I think it was just Osh and, and Kyle bringing in guys that – they wanted to win the right way with the right kind of people. And, um, you know, he never wanted a, a locker room that was uh, filled with egos or that kind of thing, but wanted definitely guys that love being teammates and cared about each other. So over time, we would be able to kind of create a culture where guys really care about each other and, and they play for each other nothing else. So um, it's been really exciting to see. And it's been it's been pretty powerful to be a part of just seeing kind of highs and lows and then slowly building to the pinnacle to where we've been at so um i'm extremely proud of what we've done as an organization and as a a team um with those guys in that locker room pat
0: newfeld back for another year as part of that amazing offensive line for the winnipeg blue bombers let's talk about the edmonton oilers shall we because they have fallen off a cliff they got such a hot start and then it just vanished. They wouldn't be a playoff team right now if the postseason started today. So how do we get here? Well, here to provide some insight is Daniel Nugent Bowman, who covers the Oilers for the Athletic. Daniel, on a scale of 1 to 10, what's the level of panic right now for fans in Edmonton?
2: Well, if you want to gauge the fan base, it's probably at an 11 here. Uh, you know, this, this team obviously has had, had a tremendous start of the year. Um going nine and one and then, and then 16 and five through 21 games. And and after beating the the Penguins on uh, December 1st, they were in first place in the NHL by points percentage. Uh, They've gone nine or sorry, two, nine and two since, you know, two wins in the last 13 games and they're, they're now out of the playoffs. So uh, the fall has been quite drastic, you know, in the last 13 games um you know for a team with, with you know there were certainly some holes uh with this roster to start the year they're being propped up by you know you know basically two points a game from Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid and leon Draisaitl, and the power play was you know at times uh, closing in on 50 percent and, and you know dressed or slowly kind of went down but it was still um over 40 percent a few games before the um this slide began, so, uh, you know, uh, and penalty killing was, was pretty good, too. So, you know, special teams and, and the big two uh, were certainly propping up a lot of, um, of underlying issues with this club. Um, but, you know, the fact that we're in, uh, you know, Connor McDavid's seventh year, Leon Dreisidel's eighth, uh, the, the type of offense that those two are producing... And the fact that, that Ken Holland had some cap space to finally work with in his third summer as general manager and used up that cap space uh, on, on some veterans that, um, you know, have had, had varying levels of success. And, and ultimately, um, you know, this was the time for uh, for the Oilers to really take a step. And, and they they showed it by record early in the year. Uh, but some of those underlying issues have, have really come to a head. Um, and this team is, is drastically uh, below expectations of where they should be right now.
0: So Ken Holland held a media availability today basically because they're not doing well and people want to talk to the GM, right? So what did, what did people learn
2: hearing Ken Holland speak today? Or did we learn much? I don't think we learned a ton uh, or I should say that we learned kind of what we thought we already knew. And and that's, um, you know, that he intends to c- to, you know, obviously, he's going to work. The, he's continuing to work the phones, but he intends to be uh, relatively patient in, in the sense that he doesn't expect very many uh, big moves uh, ahead for this club, uh, via, via, be it uh, a trade or the firing of Coach Dave Tippett. Um, The latter shouldn't come as much of a surprise. I mean, Holland has been a general manager in this league for the past 25 years. He's never fired a coach in season. Um, Now he's had a lot of success uh, with those Detroit teams, uh, especially before the salary cap came in. And there's no reason to fire a coach. Um, And even a few years after winning a Stanley cup, uh, you know, in, in 2008, going to the final in 2009, um, before obviously the, the slide uh, kind of began before he joined the Oilers there, but really there hasn't been much of a reason to, but his MO is to be patient uh, to back his coach. And for now, that's what he in- seems to intend to, to want to continue doing um, when it comes to trades. Again, there's a lot of guys that they brought in over the summer um, on long-term contracts uh, that would be hard to trade uh, and that they've committed to and, and don't really feel like they intend on trading. So um when you're looking at what the what they could do um it's a matter of, of potentially giving up on a high draft pick or some prospects obviously they're in long uh, long-term injury relief so you'd have to make the money work uh they're basically in a you know dollar in dollar out scenario as a lot of teams are in this league um so you have to make the money work but um you know they they're at, at a point right now where holland says he does not want to uh Give up on uh, you know those those prospects or picks uh, on a short term um, either rental or, or short term scenario of bringing in a player that can help this team. Uh, I think that's been um, you know especially highlighted by this team's um, uh, by this team's recent drought. I mean, if or, or, or bad stretch here, where um, you know this this the, their draft pick. If if the draft started today, they'd be picking 14th, and that's a pretty good draft uh, uh, draft pick and a pretty good prospect that you can get. Uh, versus, you know, if, if uh, we were talking about this, you know, more than a month ago, it would be a low 20s pick. So um, that's kind of where they're at right now. I think what's really kind of come to a head, though, for a lot of people is, again, this is, you know, the prime of Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid's respective careers, and they're still producing uh, at rates that we haven't really seen this century. So uh, it's really kind of time for the Oilers to do something. And, and uh, uh, there's kind of that push pull scenario of, you uh, of, you know, wanting to be conservative and not give up too much with with uh, obviously what is ahead for the Oilers and this team with with their two superstars.
0: Well, looking at this roster from an outsider's point of view, one would have looked after the playoffs. I mean, we know well in Winnipeg what the playoff series looked like against the Oilers. But the, it you'd look at the roster, you look at the goaltending, you'd think I don't think the combination of Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith is a Stanley Cup winning combination. And then you look at the defense and the moves made by Holland to bring in a 38-year-old Duncan Keith, who is way past his prime, and mm-hmm. c- giving Cody Cece over $3 million a year for four years. I mean, just on its surface, these moves didn't look great. How have those panned out in, in terms of the view in Edmonton from fans?
2: Well, when you go back to that playoff series against Winnipeg, um, I think the always played relatively well for being swept. Yeah, they did. Um, yeah, it, I, I think what happened, though, was uh, this team was too top-heavy and the Jets did a pretty good job of um, of neutralizing or they didn't quite shut down Lee Andrei Settle and Connor McDavid. They still had, you know, four or five points. Um, but, you know, that's pretty good for, for limiting those guys. And the Oilers had no depth scoring and continue to have no depth scoring uh, when those guys don't play well enough or when they can't produce at a two-point-per-game clip. Um, and then to, to illustrate your point on the goaltending, I, you know, Connor Hellebuck out goaltended Mike Smith, and uh, that's to be expected. Connor Hellebuck is a Vesna caliber goaltending goaltender. Uh, Mike Smith, although he played very well um, last season, got in the Vesna Trophy conversation, finishing seventh. That was really his his first you know um great year in quite a while um he's been a a decent goaltender over the years uh kind of having up and down success uh but that was really the year they jumped out and and now he turns 40 in march so bring him back on a two-year contract although it did help them um not have to pay uh you know performance bonuses on, on a second year uh kind of wasn't the the kind of ideal play i don't think for for a lot of fans um they did try to upgrade the position. Uh, it's been well known that they tried to uh, acquire uh, Darcy Kemper out of out of uh, Arizona uh, before Colorado swooped in and got him. Uh, but they still have to find a you know a taker for for um, for Mikko Koskinen, and obviously they haven't been able to do that. So when you couple um, you know Smith getting hurt again and Koskinen having to play a lot of games, that's where Koskinen's um, uh, kind of downfall has come here in Edmonton. He's been all right when he's been able to kind of, uh, when the two goaltenders have worked in tandem, but when Smith has been injured, which has now happened in a couple of years, uh, Koskinen uh, has really faltered. So you combine that with, with giving up, um, you know, they had the, the unfortunate situation where, uh, they were banking on, you know, Adam Larson to come back and, and Larson ultimately chose to sign with Seattle. Uh, and then they had to pivot and, and uh, and get uh, Cody Ceci, who's been all right, um, but he's a you know second pairing at best defenseman. Uh, Duncan Keith, as you mentioned, uh, he's been okay too, but again, um, he's a a second pairing defenseman at this point of his career. He's looked very bad when um, Darnell Nurse has been out of the lineup, and he's had to elevate into that you know number one essentially, that number one role on the left side. Uh, but has been okay when when um, he's played behind Nurse. So uh, to have Duncan Keith on the in the lineup uh at the full price, because they didn't get Chicago to retain any money in that trade, uh, has prevented them from doing some other things um in terms of adding more players. So um there yeah, there are some holes. I there are some some moves I think that, that fans can question with the what the general manager has done over the offseason. Um and it's all kind of I I would say coming to a bit of a head here, especially in the last uh you know, 13 games, five weeks or so.
0: I've read reports that a number of teams are kicking the tires on Evander Kane, who is an unrestricted free agent right now. The NHLPA has filed a grievance on his behalf for how he was placed on waivers and dismissed from the Sharks. Also heard today that the Oilers are one of those teams kicking the tires. Is there any chance that he signs there?
2: I think there is, yeah. I think there's a decent chance. Um, you know, Holland uh, has had a um, had a track record of of, of kind of getting reclamation projects uh, over his time in, in, in Detroit. I would say that um, uh, the kind of the, uh, the fit in terms of an on ice um, perspective would be appropriate here in terms of, of of Kane being a top six winger that they desperately need. Uh, being a physical player and a bigger player that they desperately need, and and somebody who could put the puck in the net and maybe play alongside, uh, you know, either Leon Draisaitl or Connor McDavid. Obviously, there's a lot of these off ice issues uh, that um, are something that you really have to think about when you're a general manager and, and trying to bring in um, or make a move to bring in a player like that. Um, the COVID uh, uh, I mean the, the, the recent stuff, the last two being, you know, the COVID, uh, faking a COVID uh, vaccination card. I mean that's that's a huge thing. And, and then a couple of my colleagues at the Athletic, you know, reporting that um, uh, while he was in quarant- uh, supposed, to, supposed to be in, in quarantine and in COVID protocol, he traveled to Vancouver uh, during you know during the holidays there. So um, you know, that's, those are two major strikes uh, and, and something you again. You know, I don't know if I'd want to do if I were general manager in that uh, situation, given that all the kind of uh, demands on, on public health workers uh, during, the, during a global pandemic. I think it's, you know, there's the bad optics there. But in terms of, you know, the hockey side of things, what the others would, would need, I can understand why, why Holland would uh, want to at least make some inquiries to, uh, to Kane's agent. Uh, Kane is in basically a situation where he has no leverage here and uh getting a you know very short-term contract be it uh you know the end of this year or or maybe you know even into next year uh for for very low salary is something that uh, would probably excite you know a lot of teams but uh again it goes back to some of those optics issues and uh what you'd want to do if you're a general manager and there's certainly some some question marks there
0: get out of here on this daniel what are your expectations for the rest of this year? Where do you think the Oilers end up? Well, we'll not look at the playoffs, but how do you figure they'll end up finishing the regular season here? Will they make the playoffs? Or are they going to be a, a higher-seeded team? What do you think?
2: I think they'll make the playoffs. Uh, I think there's just too much high-end talent on this team, uh, and too much pressure on the you know the general manager and the coaching staff and, and everyone around here to, to 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 miss the playoffs. I, I think. Um, they're not as good as they were to start the year, as I've kind of illustrated. Um, you know, they're not a nine one team; they're not a sixteen and five team. But they're not a, a team that that should win two out of out of thirteen games very often either. So they're obviously somewhere in the middle. They're outside the playoffs right now, but they still are in a, in a division where you can capitalize. I don't think they're going to catch Vegas. I, I think it's a long shot now that they'll they'll catch Calgary, but they still could catch even um, even Anaheim for third and. You know, which 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 would which would create a a much uh, much interesting um, you know series between Edmonton and Calgary if that were to happen. But you know, I I think there's a real chance they could still finish third in the Pacific, and uh, I you know a wild card spot is definitely in the mix. But obviously, when you can't get a divisional seed, you got to look over to the other side, and you know teams like Winnipeg uh, are there kind of uh, to to uh, wreak havoc on on you know, your, your plans too. So um, I think that's the desirable um, spot for the Oilers would be to get into the, into the Pacific mix. And, and I think, you know, giving, having this time off, they, they basically have one game in two weeks with, with uh, kind of the COVID situation here um, and and, uh, getting games postponed and and whatnot uh, could be a real blessing for them. Um, and if if Holland can augment this team with a couple of of trades in the coming weeks, um, I I think they they probably have enough in them to at least get into the playoff next year.
0: Daniel, appreciate your time as always. Uh, Have yourself a a great rest of the year. Stay safe. And perhaps if the Oilers do end up doing some flashy things, we'll have you back on the show in a few months.
2: All right. Thanks, Christian. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places, I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. Come
1: on, and thanks for all the fish. this So sad that they should come to this. We try to warn you share our intellect which might explain the disrespect for all the matter.